0: G'day, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Telstra Behind the Mic. My guest on the podcast today has over 20 years' experience in the global ICT market, and for 16 of those, she's held executive roles within Ericsson. We're examining the power of partnership today with Nadine Allen, who started with Ericsson As a VP of Managed Services and Business Transformation Consultant, and via a handful of other roles over the years, including running vertical industries in automotive, energy, intelligent transport systems, public safety, and shipping maritime in 16 countries across West Central Europe and Asia, she now finds herself Head of the Enterprise Business Area for India, Southeast Asia, and Oceania. It means she's responsible for leading and developing Ericsson's enterprise business across those territories gives me great pleasure to welcome to Dean Allen to Telstra behind the mic.
1: Thank you. Hi, Adam. Nice to be here.
0: Now, now before we get into it, I do need to discuss something uh, very important. You were born in Warwickshire, the county in the UK, and grew up in neighbouring Leicestershire. So your nearest major city would have been Leicester. Are you a Leicester City football club fan, the Mighty Foxes, or are you more a Birmingham City girl or Coventry or Where do you you fall on that little crucial question?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. Well, look, I'm not really a football fan at all. Sorry about that. That's probably not a great thing for somebody from the UK to say, but it's true. Uh, however in our household it is mandatory to support only Leicester City and um, what I would say is that I have actually met Jamie Vardy um, oh. who is as you know Leicester City's kind of key, um, key striker so he's the guy that they tend to rely on for producing the most goals and um, and, uh, I have given him my autograph. Actually, I think he gave me his autograph, but we'll, we'll say that, I, we'll say that I gave him mine. Yeah. So, no, in our households, everyone's a huge fan of Leicester. My kids are forced to wear Leicester shirts and, um, all those other things. And of course, I'm based in Thailand, as you know, and the owners of Leicester City Football Club are Thai. So we have a very interesting connection here, you know, with all of these things coming together. But yeah, me, I'm forced to watch the odd game, Adam, but I'm not a huge fan. But yeah, Leicester, in short, short response.
0: I thought that Thailand-Leicester connection would have been interesting. And a few years ago when they won the English Premier League, of course, an incredible achievement in sport, you were more as a youngster going down the acting path, from what I understand.
1: Mm, that, that's true. Quite, quite some time ago. I mean, as a, as a young child, I actually danced from the age of three till I was about 16. And wow. then um, I also did um, quite a lot of study in acting. And then I went through that whole process of deciding, should I go and try and become a you know, famous actress or should I do something else? And I think my parents, my mother uh, was an accountant, so she was probably not really into the arts, as it were. And uh, she kind of said to me, look, you know, the problem with actors or actresses is a lot of the time they tend to be resting, which basically means they're struggling to find some work. So I think you should try and do something a bit more conventional. And then I ended up in this wonderful telecoms industry of ours. So yeah.
0: As, as, as a parent who's, whose younger daughter said she wants to be an actress as well, your, your immediate default is, okay, what skill set can I make sure you pick up to live off in between the major Hollywood blockbusters that I'm sure you will star in, my darling. You've clearly made the right decision because you've recently appointed as the head of enterprise for Ericsson across Southeast Asia, including India, of course, Australia and New Zealand. Con- congratulations. Tell us a bit about the new role and, and where will your focus be in, say, the next 12 to 18 months, Nadine?
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, and I'm, I'm actually delighted to be appointed in this role because – this role is all about um, leveraging 5G and other related technologies to drive what we would probably term the 5G for business era. So, 5G as a mobile generation is very different to previous uh, generations of cellular technology, and it, for the first time, really gives us a platform to be able to start to transform industries. Not, you know, not just to deliver really good consumer experience that you and I enjoy on our mobile mobile phones. And the reason I'm really happy to be appointed is because I'm a huge believer in technology for good. And I'm a huge fan in looking at why technology, you know, not just technology for technology's sake. And that is really what my role is all about, you know, and so, so super good. And Australia is a priority market for me uh, in this part of the world. So um, it is absolutely one of the key focus areas for me particularly this year and also in 2022. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with, uh, with Telstra to, to drive and, and, and really try and push and capitalize on uh, the opportunity that 5G brings for enterprise transformation in Australia.
0: I've found this fascinating to watch over the last few years as my capacity as the MC of Telstra's major enterprise event, Vantage. I've had a sort of front row seat watching 5G evolve in, in business consciousness. I can remember several years ago people talking about this spooky upcoming world of 5G that was eventually going to hit us. Then it became a thing and now we're at what you call, yeah, the 5G era. It's, it's, it's a major – it's probably the gateway to, to digital transformation, at the moment in your opinion what what are the key drivers for enterprise digitalization as they look forward as we look to reinvent business value what what are the drivers and why is 5G so important
1: well i mean i would start by saying that of course enterprises aren't just engaging in digitalization because they think technology is really interesting. They are really doing it for improving business outcomes. So there has to be a really solid business reason for why they enter into digitalization. They're not looking for features or use cases and they're probably not really that interested in 5G per se. I think what interests them is how they can improve their business prospects and also um, how they can leverage 5G to support the creation of their own business value. And we probably see three broad themes when we look at the drivers that are um, supporting or, or, you know... uh, encouraging enterprises to transform. The first is of course, that they need to retain their competitive relevance. So I think the world is changing at an enormous pace. Um, and you know, low margin industries are of course, very open to investing in solutions that provide clear productivity gains. So they need to keep their efficiency um, when, they're, when they're operating on low margins, but they also need to get pretty quick returns. Um, industries that are more volume focused, they can afford to delay returns um, and they tend to adopt a little bit more of a continuous approach to digitalization, seeking a more steady um, gain on annual productivity. Um, and then for businesses that compete on differentiation, of course, the right technology and digitalization investment can really yield significant returns for them, but they also have to decide where is it they want to focus. They probably don't want to transform, you know, all elements of, of their value chain. I think the second driver is what we might call structural changes. Um, you know, and for businesses now, it's not just about improving the performance of the bottom line, which of course is super important for all of us, but it's also about addressing. Broader needs like sustainability. So I think all organizations are making a commitment to drive a more sustainable future, and they are seeking to, you know, accelerate the use of technology to support them in that goal. And of course, there are other big structural shifts like the shift to e-commerce, which is forcing you know, a number of physical environments uh, to really um, find new ways to retain their customers or to interact their customers. And e-commerce per se is driving the restructuring of the whole of the transport and logistics field. So, you know, entire systems need to be re-engineered to to cope with some of these, these structural changes. The last one I would mention is what I call shifting expectations. And that is where consumers, of course... Um, have been really exposed to well-designed experiences that allow them to do the things that they need to do as individuals without training or manuals. And in a professional context, they often see a very dated design or a poor interface. Let me give you an example of that. If you were a first responder, you know, a uh, a policewoman or a policeman out there, for quite some time, your smartphone's probably given you a better performance than... Your, um, your push to talk radio. I mean, that mm. has been a reality. So, you know, consumers, when they look at the professional context, really are expecting, you know, all of that to kind of catch up. So I think these new expectations are also pushing enterprises to become um, more digital in their customer experience. And then the, the final thing I would add is that the pandemic has forced an irreversible change. I mean, we have found entirely new ways of doing things in areas like healthcare and education that are typically very conservative when it comes to change. You know, so imagine what would happen if we were to take the learnings from all of that experience that we frankly had no choice but to adapt to And become proactive based on that experience. You can imagine enterprises and industries that could capitalize proactively would really, really, you know, they they have to just gain improvements in their business outcomes.
0: So even if 5G wasn't, you know, among us now and, and the big burgeoning technology of this time, there'd still be that desire to enhance customer experience, to move with speed and efficiency. What what is it specifically with 5G in terms of enterprise? digitalisation. What what, what can 5G do that the current technologies can't do or can't do anywhere near as well as 5G? Why are people so excited about 5G in this stage, in this space?
1: Well, you know, I guess the holy grail for an enterprise is that they are trying to converge different environments. So they're trying to converge the IT environment with the environment associated with operational technology. So if you're controlling a mine or a factory or you know a production, an operational production environment, also with communication uh, technology. And those environments today are met by quite different kinds of technologies. So 5G um, can also um, play a, a, a broader role uh, in terms of IT enablement, but also support these more critical operational environments, which is really where it starts to, to come into their own. But traditional technologies today also restrict enterprise digitalization for a, a, a number of reasons, but some of them are due to lack of standardisation, but also a high total cost of ownership associated with maintaining you know, multiple disparate and proprietary um, networks. So 5G is a consistent, standardized communication platform that can be used across all of these multiple environments. Some of the other performance and limitation, uh, solution limitations that we see today are, uh, are such as unpredictable reliability, mobility, for example, the ability to move around, um, security, you know, and latency tell us that traditional connectivity is not always suitable for business or mission critical communications. But mobile technology, by design, is reliable, and 5G actually improves performance in a number of key areas, such as reliability, security, and latency and it brings a step change improvement in these areas that is of great relevance to enterprise uh, digitalization and uh, and transformation and we have for the first time been conducting some studies with you know CIOs IT decision makers within enterprise organizations and they really are you know v- very high score when we say what relevance do you see of 5g to your overall digital transformation plan so I, for the first time we are seeing um, we are seeing I guess enterprises themselves saying, "Yeah, we absolutely see um, the relevance of 5G." But just the final point I would make, Adam, on this one is that to be really relevant, of course, there are lots of very interesting capabilities about 5G: reliability, privacy, security. You know, functions like network slicing, you know, precise positioning. All of these things come through as new things and new capabilities in 5G. But to be truly relevant. 5G needs to be looked at as a platform with a broader set of capabilities, not merely as a new network generation with higher speed and lower latency. And that platform will enable or can act as a catalyst for a whole host of new use cases and new transformational elements that can support enterprises and industries in the things that they need to achieve to maintain their own competitive relevance. So that's what I really would like people to take away is that it's not just about unique, new technical things that are coming through in 5G. That's a, that, of course, is foundational. But we also need to see it as a broader platform for innovation.
0: And it's, it's that innovation piece that I know excites. I, I, as I said, I've worked with Telstra in this space for a while. And, and when you speak to them about the potential here, it, it, the excitement is, is, is palpable. And the, and the title of this podcast is The Power of Partnership. And the, the, Telstra and Ericsson are coming together to try and bring to market new capabilities as part of this, as part of the Ericsson Enterprise proposition. What sort of things are happening in that space? What is this partnership delivering? What skills are you bringing and working together to sort of cash in on the potential of 5G?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked a lot about 5G as a new mobile generation, so I I won't repeat that. But, I mean, operators, of course, you know, Telstra in particular, for the first time with 5G, really has a potential to play a key role in this enterprise digitalization more so than they have done um, in the past. And Ericsson is joining forces with, with Telstra to provide the needed capability to deliver that value. I mean, enterprises are already asking CSPs to show them what is possible with 5G and how they can embrace um, 5G in their overall plans. And we're observing the same in Australia. and And in fact, in the recent Vantage event that that Telstra held. You know, we've received questions already from several enterprises regarding this topic, and we are collaborating with Telstra to support their go-to-market initiatives with the Australian enterprise. They, of course, Telstra, of course, leading these engagements, but we're supporting with sharing the framework, the technology capabilities, and
0: also bringing other best practices that we see from around the world. And and so in, in particular, building a sort of platform and building capabilities for enterprises to use five G, tell me tell me a bit more about that. What do you need to do to make it, you know, potential for organisations to to activate this technology?
1: Yeah, well, a couple of the things that um, uh, that that have already been launched actually uh, by Telstra earlier uh, in June this year, Telstra communicated to bring to market. Ericsson's industrial grade on-prem 5G wireless platform. Um, and this platform, you know, enables Australian enterprises to have a really powerful, easy-to-use wireless solution, not just for 5G, but also starting with 4G, which is really quite important um, uh, from an ecosystem perspective. But this platform can be deployed on-site, you know, on-premise, to drive automation and digital transformation of an enterprise's production and operational environment. And Telstra's enterprise customers can either leverage their own spectrum, or they can leverage Telstra's spectrum for for, for these deployments. So that's that's one example, and I think the other is that Telstra's also um, launched uh, in uh, around October this year um, the plan to offer Australia's first 5G-enabled edge compute solution for enterprises, which involved a collaboration between Telstra, Ericsson, and Microsoft. And this edge compute solution will extend private connectivity and cloud services to the network edge. So it will bring compute storage and marketplace services closer to customers. And in fact, we started this back in in 2019 when, you know, in partnership, Telstra and Ericsson announced the intention to explore... And trial 5G edge computing technologies for the financial services sector, for example. So it's been it's been extended uh, from that. I think the other great example of of Ericsson and Telstra in partnership is in late 2020, Ericsson acquired Cradlepoint, and Cradlepoint are a US based company, and they are a leader in wireless WAN solutions. And as a consequence of a collaboration between Telstra and Cradlepoint, um, what Telstra are now offering is a new enhanced enterprise um, wireless that I think they call it EEW, which really gives a robust business grade alternative to fixed wireline connectivity for business, enterprise and government using 5G cellular wireless. So, you know, for the first time we are delivering a 5G capability that provides a reliable alternative to, to fixed line technology.
0: And this is where it gets exciting, isn't it? Most people listening would understand the concept of the edge, but for those who aren't familiar about it and hear a lot of people in the space talking excitedly about edge computing, that idea of having people out in the field or working remotely with a significant part of the digital capacity they'd have if they were back at the center. Now, there's all sorts of issues about where do you store stuff? Are there security issues? If you don't give people enough functionality, they can't do enough out there. If you give them too much, their devices get slow and clunky. It's such an interesting area to play. And then when you're talking about WAN as well, just the, the, the geographic area that these services can, can cover now is, is quite fascinating. What, is, what are some of the priority verticals and use cases where you see these sort of capabilities, these game changing? capabilities and potential for innovation coming in. You did mention manufacturing and logistics a little bit earlier. Talk me through some of the, the main sort of use cases, Nadine.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, I would say the top three verticals where we're seeing the most initial focus with regards to both enterprise digitalization and how 5G can accelerate that. The first is manufacturing and logistics where industry 4.0 is a fundamental blueprint for a manufacturing organisation and, 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 and the characteristics of its business and, and how they will evolve. So they're really looking to gain value efficiencies and productivity in factories and you know in the australian context of course food and beverage manufacturing and process industries are are, are really quite key Um, the second area where we've seen um, a a lot of interest is in mining and of course you know mining uh, companies are really trying to ensure that they use digitalization to increase Productivity by connecting their assets, automating their processes, and being able to bring all of that together and analysing data across the the entire wider organisation. And from a the perspective of a, of of a mining company, of course, they have a lot of remote environments that they really need to be able to interact with, which is where cellular becomes quite key. And that's also helping them with, with the kind of, you know, improvements in, in their overall focus on, on health and safety. And then the third area is offshore, where reliable connectivity is becoming really key for increased effectiveness productivity and safety for platforms, you know, drilling rigs and all of the work that is being done offshore. So, I think those three vertical segments, Adam, are where we are really starting to see a lot of uh, initial
0: traction. I'm talking with Nadine Allen from Ericsson. And as I said in the in, in the start of this, Nadine, you've you've been in this business for, you know, nigh on 20 years. Do you ever think back to the sort of technology that was cutting edge at the turn of the millennium when, when you started out here? And then think about the sort of business cases that you're advocating now and the technology that underpins them and, and just pinch yourself.
1: I, I do really. I, I I just think when you really think about it, you know, I, I often say to people, I, I've delivered a, you know, I like to deliver presentations with physical audiences, which is a little bit of a, this is a slightly unconventional at the moment, Adam, because that's <laughs> not really happening. But, you know, when I do, I have a couple of times lifted up my mobile phone and said, How much money would I have to give you to agree to live without one of these for the rest of your life? Hmm. And it's actually a really hard question to answer because what would you, what kind of money would you have to receive in order to accept social isolation? You know, what kind of money would you have to have to have to accept to receive in order not to be able to complete an important business deal as a consequence of not having access to a mobile phone or mobile connectivity, right? So I I when we talk about the indispensable nature of just as a consumer of mobile technology, I think I mean it's just phenomenal, right? No nobody would live without a mobile phone. In fact, hmm. I think people feel fundamentally insecure when they when they don't have a when they don't have their, their their communication device with them. Mm. So I think that whole transitional shift has been amazing. And as I already mentioned about the pandemic, I think we have been forced to adopt entirely new ways of doing things. And as long as we don't go back, as long as we only move forward and use that knowledge and become more proactive, I think, you know, that the potential is limitless.
0: When I explain to people, I've got an app on my phone that plays chess. There's no human being will ever live will be able to beat this app on my phone it cost me $4.95 and it's an incredible minor sub feature of this walking communication computing device absolutely stunning can can i ask you to try and use your prediction superpowers we've spoken about the increasing capacity and capability of wireless will there always be a significant role for non-wireless devices will the fixed wired technology the plug into source always comprise a significant part of digital resources in enterprises across Asia?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think technologies have, you know, different performance and different characteristics for, for different use cases. And I think there will definitely be different combinations going forward, you know. So, environments that can afford to be, you know, quite static, that require very high performance and very high reliability will probably, you know, be well met, uh, better met by um, by certain Technologies like Ethernet or you know fiber or cable, for example, um, and then I think Wi-Fi, for example, is of course an incredibly well-established technology, um, but it doesn't Wi-Fi doesn't have some of the um, resilience and performance benefits, security uh, capabilities that you get with five G cellular, for example. So I, I think we will for sure see a, a combination of of all of those things um, coming together. I think what's key with cellular is that it has reached a point where you know 5g will roll out very fast it will roll out much faster than we've seen with uh, previous generations of, of mobile and it has the capability to to as i said earlier you know act as this consistent platform across multiple environments but the mobility aspect must not be underestimated if you look at Daimler, for example, Daimler have um, a production blueprint for their automotive production called Factory 56, and they've invested in a 5G private network for this. And, and when you cut the cables in production environments, the benefits of the flexibility associated with that are, no- are enormous. Because in manufacturing, there's this concept of mass customization, where you need to be able to reconfigure environments much more rapidly and much more frequently in order to meet with end demand. When you have wired environments, it's a lot harder to do that, whereas cellular gives you much more flexibility. So your time to market um, and your cost associated with reconfiguring those environments is is much greater. So I really see see that we are going to see 5G playing a a much more critical role in these environments going forward.
0: We've covered a lot of ground today and a lot of the examples we've talked about are organisations who are already all in on this and working at the cutting edge. If, if, if someone is in an enterprise position and they want to get started on this digitalization journey, if, they, if they've listened to you and they've, they've gone, okay, I realise it's important, but to be honest, it's a bit big and spooky, what are your tips for people about to embark on this amazing journey?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think when when I talk about Ericsson and Telstra in partnership, uh, I I talk about it in that context, actually. I mean, I think early engagement is key. We don't have to wait for, um, you know, everything to be in place and, you know, perfect gold-plated kind of bulletproof solutions to be in place. You know, we can also start with 4G. So, a lot of the things, the private networks, for example, that we're seeing being deployed in Europe and the U.S., you know, some of these environments are being started with 4G where the ecosystem is 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 also slightly better um, and the networks are obviously more ubiquitously available from a 4G perspective. So we can start with 4G. These 4G environments are very, very easily upgradable to 5G. Um, I would say start to collaborate. Start to collaborate with Telstra. Bring Ericsson into that dialogue uh, in support of Telstra. And remember what I said about connectivity and innovation platform. You know, we are we're really quite open to to talking about and looking at and pushing the boundaries on, you know, how is 5G really going to support the transformation of this environment? And we really... You know we fully recognise that 5G really needs to support the business outcomes of different enterprises. So we're very, very open to having a conversation in partnership with Telstra with lead enterprises in the Australian market to fully understand their needs and then say, you know, how does all of this translate to to business value? So that would be uh, my, my my other advice. I, I think, of course, the ecosystem is really quite important, and there. Ericsson is also playing a key role and I know Telstra is as well. Um, but but the other important message from, from me is that, you know, 5G is here, is open for business. You are advanced in Australia. Uh, Telstra is open for business in this space. Ericsson has been in Australia for 130 years, something we're incredibly proud of. And from an enterprise standpoint, it's a top priority for us. So... Any interest to explore the possibilities of five G, IoT, and wireless? Then please, you know, reach out to your Telstra account exec, and who will also engage with my team, and uh, we will uh, progress uh, the five G for enterprise conversation. and And really look forward
0: to doing that as well. Just in closing, can I check one thing? And your widespread experience with five G, you're at the cutting edge of this technology. You're a world expert on the subject. To the best of your knowledge, is there any five G hidden in any? of the major COVID vaccines. You know what I'm talking about, like delivered via nanobots and you're just talking with friends here, Nadine. so don't be shy, spilling the beans. 5G (laughs) COVID vaccines. Is it mainly an AstraZeneca or is it more of a Pfizer thing? I'm reading a lot of stuff online and it's confusing me.
1: Oh, I don't know, Adam. That's a new one for me. Um, I, I well, I think I would just stick with Pfizer for now, if that's okay, or Moderna, or one of the more conventional, or Astra. I have to support AstraZeneca, of course, because that's a kind of UK collaboration. Um, yeah, no, I I I um, I probably am not so sure. I, yeah, you could could you could be right, but not something that uh, not something that I. Uh, I have ventured to experiment with yeah
0: as as opposed to football in, in cricketing parlance you've let that one go through to the keeper Nadine Allen thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise on our podcast today
1: welcome thank you